I'm Kerry Adams and you're listening to Kerry's Connoisseurs coming to you from Solid Gold Podcasts. Here we talk to the movers and shakers, the drinkers, the dreamers and all the people who make it happen in the liquor and luxury industries from around the world. Today in my studio I've got I think they're two Ferreras which is something we need to speak about. But I've got Jamie and I've got Anne Ferreira and we're going to be talking bubbly really because that's what they both make. So Jane and Anne, welcome to Carrie's Connoisseurs. How are you? Good. Great to be here and lovely to be with you as always, Carrie. Always. Yeah, it's lovely to be here. Thank you. Jane Ferreira Eads, are you are you related to Pete? No, I'm related to Anne. We, You're related to Anne? Yeah, we're the two cousins. <laughs> we truly are. <laughs> but where does the Ferreira... So you and Peter were Ferreiras. My mother was a Ferreira and is married to Jane... Oh, sister to Jane's How much father. did you drink last night? <sighs> <laughs> we did hit acid. Um, yeah. Wine bar. No, so Jane's... We, my, my dad and Annie's mother are siblings. Okay. Ferreras. Yeah, and they Ferreras. Ferreras. And you married a Ferrera. And you married no a Ferrera. Incest. No, no incest. No incest whatsoever. We were, we were the grand Ferreras <laughs> and you married into us. Okay, good. So we are the two cousins. <laughs> I, I looked when I was reading up about what I was going to talk to you about and I saw Jane Ferreira eats and I thought, yeah, could, maybe. Mm. Yeah. There it is, guys. We are cousins. They are related. Mm. So we're going to have to be careful not to get too excited and speak over each other all the time because there's so much to talk about. For everybody to know, Jane's family had a farm called Clan Optenhorst and she very foolishly decided to take over one of the brands, turn it into the bubbly and call it Dainty Bess, which we all know and love. (laughs) Have we got a Dainty Bess? Yeah. The prettiest bottle on the shelf, Dainty Bess. That's Jane's one and it's bubbly and it's gorgeous. We're going to talk about that. Anne is married to Bubbles Ferreira. And for anybody who needs an introduction to Bubbles Ferreira, you shouldn't be. Now, maybe you should be listening to this podcast. (laughs) Everybody needs to know who Peter is. He's a gorgeous, gorgeous king of bubbles in South Africa. Done more for bubbles, I think, than than most, although the Milans will probably fight with me about that. I think they all love each other. They do love each other. They do love. However, suffice to say that we're in a bubbly space. So Anne and Pete have got... Ferreira, is it called Peter Ferreira Wines? Yes. Peter Ferreira Wines, which is something quite separate from the thousands of litres of Graham Beck bubbly that that Pete produces on an annual basis. And then we've got our dainty base. Let's start with Jane, Clan Opton Horst, family mm. farm. Mm. Yeah, my parents bought that in 1987. Uh, they were initially, I, I grew up in Johannesburg, so... I Are really you both Rodin girls? No, I w- no, I don't. Mm. St. Mary's. St. Mary's. Much better academics. <laughs> <laughs> I, c- I can conquer. Yeah. <laughs> we moved down in 1987. I was quite young. I was sort of finished the tail end of my high school. I went from St. Mary's to Hugenote Hoer School, uh, which was lovely. I really loved that. Did you have to do it in Afrikaans? Yeah, I did. There was an English class, about eight of us in the English class. And the rest, everyone else was Afrikaans and from farming families. And why did your folks decide to go down and farm? It wasn't really a farm. It was a garden, Carrie. You couldn't really call it a farm. It was a garden. And my mother had this dream to build a beautiful garden. And, and she did. She did, yeah, very much so. My father was also, I mean, he shares the dream, I suppose. 
Um, but he did plant a little bit of Pinot Noir as well because he also quite likes wine. So a tiny, it was about a quarter of a hectare of Pinot Noir he planted there. And it's like putting a rat trap in the, in the roof. <laughs> hey, once you get caught in that trap, yeah. bang, yeah. you can't stop yourself. No. And then I think a few hectares probably went to, let's go and look and we'll lease a, a vineyard somewhere else. And let's make, see if we can't steal some bubbles from Pete and Anne. And, <laughs> hey? it, it was a bit of a rat trap. Mm. It kind of evolved over time. And it was uh, definitely at least Pete and Anne's fault that we made... <laughs> We started this project. Well, I just was going to say that us three girls in a studio together can only spell trouble <laughs> because, because there are not many, well, there are not many more girls in the wine industry nowadays, but there are a few who are like old diehards in the wine industry. Most of their name starts with a T. <laughs> you got the other Ferreras involved in winemaking and then your folks sold the farm. Mm, they sold it. Um, so Peter helped us initially, and then the, my parents sort of decided to scale down a bit. They sold in 2016. And so obviously having made bubbles um, with Peter and Anne's help um, over the years and, you know, uh, enjoyed having this product and really loving it and had lots and lots of celebrations that sort of, you know... Required it. Required it. Yes. Um, I decided I wanted to carry on making it because it just, you know, had this connection to this place where I grew up, which I loved very much. And so I bought the business from them. I bought the stock. And yes. um, I obviously, they'd sold the farm, so I couldn't call it Plain Optinals anymore. So Dainty Bess is a, a rose that my mom used to grow in her garden. It is the prettiest rose. <laughs> so everybody who knows me knows that of the many passions that I have, roses is one of them or are one of them huh roses are the rose is <laughs> one of them and when i first met with you and we tasted dainty best for the first time long time ago yeah and you told me about it i went into my rose book to go and have a look it is the prettiest rose yeah it really it's, is lovely it's like a little tea rose and it looks mm. almost like it's a baby little pink rose with single petals and it looks almost like those roses that those clever ladies do on icing, old-fashioned icing wedding cakes, hey? Mm, That's what it looks exactly. like. It's so delicate. Yeah. Too pretty. Lovely one. So have Lovely we, we've rose, got so. it on here, hey? Yeah, the label All has the got a All the way around, dainty mm. base. It's just the prettiest. And, the, and so it's straight Pinot Noir. 100% Pinot. Mm. Yeah, so we started at Clay Nopton Horse. We had a, the tiny little vineyard my dad planted, and uh, one harvest we just had a, a really difficult harvest. We didn't have enough to fill a tank. So fortunately, we um, James Downs at yes. Elgin, he had some extra Pinot Noir, so he very kindly said, you can buy some extra from, from us, oh. which was really kind of him because, I mean, that is the like some of the best fruit in the country. Yes. So we bought, and that's how we started introducing the, the Elgin element. Yes. Um, so that was a couple of years. And then um, when my parents sold the farm, I wanted to carry on buying the Wellington fruit, but unfortunately the new owners didn't, didn't really want. have a, a fix on how to look after that vineyard. But you shouldn't so. have any problem purchasing. Just so as no. all of you know, <laughs> these girls, not that... Well, we like to let them think, but they both got famous husbands. So Jane's married to Christian Eads, who's very famous in the wine industry. And you don't want or to infamous. get on the wrong side. <laughs> or infamous, actually. But Jane's actually more famous, but we don't tell Christian. And Anne is married to Pete, who is uber famous. So I suppose from that, because we let them think that they're better than us. <laughs> 
They ride on our coattails. You are two of the most famous girls in the wine industry. That's the deduction I'm making. Our husbands have us to thank for that. <laughs> Absolutely. So you couldn't get the Wellington fruit? No. So looked around and actually um, had a tasting, a base wine tasting that Peter um, puts together every year for the whole industry. This is one of the things that makes him you know, know. incredible. He, you know, he's very um, inclusive and he invites everyone around. So we did this base wine tasting and at that point, one of the, the wines I tasted um, was from a vineyard in Stanford. So um, I approached the owners of that farm and asked them if I could possibly purchase a couple of tons from them. So I got some Stanford fruit and then a little bit from Robertson as well, just to bring in some warmer fruit. Some and where are you fruit. vinifying at all? Vinifying it at Avondale in Paul, which has got a brilliant cellar. Avondale is Jonathan. Yeah. He's gorgeous. He plants, he puts cow's horns and things in the ground and he's like very organic, organic. Yeah. And he wears like a Stetson and he's, he's a real <laughs> boy. We love Jonathan. So... You've been making your your um, dainty base at Avondale, what, for a couple of years? Three, yep, since three, four years? 2016 was Is the first. Is it that long ago yeah. that they sold? Yeah, goes quickly. It's five years believe, ago. I can't believe Coming it. up for six years, yeah. I know, I keep saying I think I've got about 10 summers left, but that was like 20 years ago. I actually think I've only got about four. It's got not. <laughs> and Jane, production-wise, how Tiny. many bottles? It's very small. It's um, roughly two, two and a half, three thousand sometimes. Um, it's not. It's a side hustle for me. I, I, it's not my full time gig. Unfortunately, it's not big enough to to do that. And it's a kind of a catch twenty two. You know, if you want to make it into a viable, economically sustainable business, I know you need to really focus. But it's too small to kind of get there. So it's a bit of a. Well, in her spare time, she's also the national sales manager. Hey. Something for like Ex Animo, <laughs> which is Ex Animo is a gorgeous company. It just suits my sort of head, my crazy bohemian headspace well. Um, Dave's done really, really well with that business, I think, and he's got all the the vagabonds and the renegades and the left of centers and, and the what the have you. And, and the blue chip, yeah. They sit in a stable called Ex Animo, which is um, a company that they've formed to do sales and distribution of wines in so yeah. the base is available through ex animo but i think mm. what i'm going to do after this is we're going to make a little plan if dave's cool with it yeah and we'll pop some dainty base into the into the solid gold shop um and everybody if you want something you can just pop on there and and buy it it's gorgeous should we tell them what it tastes like we can try, yes. It's Tell a, them. It's a, explain to okay, us. Okay, I'm going to explain. It's On entry, what do you get? So firstly, the color this year, this is the 2018 vintage, and it's um, it's a lovely sort of salmon-y, light pale salmon color. Um, the palate is quite sort of earthy. It's got a spiciness oh, really? to it. Well, the aroma, the aromatics, quite spicy. And then you get a bit of a hit of raspberry. So it's a much more red berry-fruited uh, flavor profile. And then... Um, How long are you pies. leaving it... On the lees? On the lees. This one is just a month short of four years. Wow. That's an expensive business, Janie. Does it Christian know about that? <laughs> um, he doesn't have to know. No. 
<laughs> don't. Let's not tell him. We're on a sort of national broadcast here, but we won't tell him. Mm-mm. Yeah, so just a month short of four years. And this, I suppose, is the advantage of having a, a job to kind of... Yes. That is, um, yes. you know, I don't have to depend on this. I can make the style of wine that I really like, would like yeah. to drink, which is, yeah. takes a lot of time. And do you make costly. it a little bit sort of differently, or is it always 100% Pinot? Hundred percent, yeah. At this point, it's hundred percent Pinot. Yeah, yeah. I don't really think um, I'd like to incorporate Chardonnay at this stage. I like the I like the idea of You're having a. You're speaking to two Chardonnay. F- Listen, I love Chardonnay, but um, I might make Your a Chardonnay. Your chair's going. Sorry, sit still. I love Chardonnay, but I like the expression of just Pinot on its own. I think it's quite interesting yes. to kind of get the fruit expression, the varietal expression. It's very pretty. Mm. And it's very fresh, mm. but fruity at the same time. Yeah. I love it. It's clean yeah. and tidy. It's, it's beautiful, bubbly, mm. everybody. So that's Dainty Bess. Then we're going to move on to Anne. How did Peter Ferreira Wines come about when he was really working for Graham Beck, like flat, flat out? And we all know Graham Beck. I knew him well. Yes. How did you manage to do a side hustle within a Graham Beck stable? (laughs) Well, I mean, you know Graham Beck, and Peter started with him and started Graham Beck for him. Mm. So, I mean, he's been there now for, what, 34 years? Mm. And um, Peter thinks he owns Graham Beck. (laughs) Everybody thinks he owns Graham Beck. And he's always had the freedom to do what he's felt is the right thing for the farm, very much thanks to Graham and Rona, and then obviously Anthony, his son, who's now involved with the company. Um, But in 2012, we suddenly realized that they would be retiring Peter at 60, which was like marching and going to be around the corner very soon. One of those last 10 summers. Yeah, exactly, (laughs) that came 20 years ago. So we panicked and we went, well, Peter without a bubbly project is just not... not, No, Peter is... I've always said he's the happiest person I know. He's the I one know. person who gets up and can't wait to get to work. If he can do bubbly all day and every day, I mean, he makes wine in the UK, he's made in America for five years. Um, if he can do a fourth harvest, he'd find a gap somewhere as well. <laughs> yeah. He's terribly yeah. energetic about his bubbles. Yeah, and passionate yeah. And, 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 and shares it with everybody. He wants everybody. And I think he wants everybody to make great bubbly. Mm-hmm. I mean, in fact, he always says when he's selling Graham Beck in America, it's such a lonely road to travel because there are no other couple of Sikhs that have quite, got quite as much stock and, and um, presence in the market. You know, the other thing is, is that I was saying to somebody the other day, there is a massive worldwide shortage of champagne. We make some of the best bubbly yeah. in the world in South Africa. We really do make good bubbles. Um, and I've been very spoilt and very lucky and privileged to drink some of the greatest bubblies in the world. And I honestly do believe that we put so much time and effort and intellectual capital into our bubbly industry that people will go a long way to find as good a quality bubbly as what they're going to get out of South Africa. Do you agree? Yeah, I agree. I mean, you could buy thousands of millions of gallons of Prosecco and and uh, um, yeah, Carver okay. and whatever. It's nice and it's fun and it's really, really big in, in Europe and England at the moment. I mean, Jonathan, my son's living in England, as you know. Everybody drinks Prosecco. But not nearly the quality that you can get or value. Yeah, or the value. I mean, on balance, what are we paying for a bottle of bubbly here? 280 rand a bottle or something? Yeah. Anything French starts at around about 450. 
and goes up to in the thousands, you know. Mm-hmm. So just a bit of an interlude, everybody. If you go to the shop and you can't find the, the French bubble that you're looking for, don't be shy. Go and have a look for a for a South African one on the shelf. It's really, really worth a try. So Agreed, yeah. when was that that he sort of... So that was actually 2011. And so he approached Graham, who was as only he could be, and he said, of course, mm. this is important. You're very welcome to do it. So in 2012, we made our first vintage. Mm which is 100% Pinot Noir, 100% Chardonnay, Chard. sorry, yeah. Jane's got me on the, yeah, <laughs> yes, because yes, we, we love Chardonnay, mm. 2,500 bottles, um, and then the following year we added a rosé, which is 100% Pinot Noir, and then in 2017 we've added a blend, a cuvée, which is 70% Chardonnay. Isn't there an ultra brut somewhere? They're all extra brut in style. Are they? Yeah. So, but the long and the short is I own the company. Of course you do. Which means... As you should. <laughs> I own my husband. <laughs> and, and I have a very lovely contract with Graham Beck, who I also worked for at a time. So I yes. have a lot of love and loyalty. Um, where I've Peter, never asked you, are you a winemaker? I'm not, but I should be, seeing as I've slept next to I one for many, 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 many years. And there's an osmotic process that Completely. can happen. <laughs> <laughs> hey? Exactly. It's like me becoming a wine writer. So. <laughs> <laughs> just happens. Mm, just happens. So, yeah, so, um, so in theory, I own Peter. Um, but he still Does belongs he very much to Graham Big. Yes, I keep reminding him. <laughs> Whip him into shape. And he was quite so cheap he back was, in the came, day. Hey? came as a bargain. <laughs> So, He's a so, sweetheart. Yeah, and I mean, we both have such a passion for bubbly. I think we must be the biggest consumers of bubbly in South Africa. We like the champagnes. We drink it every day, all Do day. Do you? Yeah, always. Well, well, you know, it's it's a really good drink for anybody who doesn't want to get too drunk because your alcohol levels are much lower than than other wines. Less sugar. Much less sugar, so you can lose weight if you drink. If you drink Dainty Bess and Peter Ferreira. And besides that... (laughs) You can drink it at 11 in the morning. It gives you the same... Well, yeah, people have got that excuse. They say we're going to mix it with orange juice, which we don't want to do those people. But you can mix it with orange juice if you want to. But it gives you the effect... You you can pretend you're drinking sparkling water all day because it's exactly... It's clean. You can almost brush your teeth with it. It's nice and clean and fresh and whatever. And it doesn't make you that... Although a lot of people say, champagne gives me a headache. Do you get that? I do. And I'm, what they forget is that they've been drinking other things say. on the side <laughs> or they're not necessarily drinking uh, Method Champenoise or Cap mm. Classique. So, Something um, that's had drinking. a bit of a blast of yeah. CO2 mm. in it, like a Coke bottle. Mm. Exactly. But the, um, I always say to everybody, they say, oh, I can't drink that. I'm allergic to sulfur. Or I don't know why, it's all the chemicals in the way. And I say to them, sorry, darling, it's actually the alcohol that you're allergic to. If you just have one or two glasses, you don't get that headache and you actually wake up feeling fine. It's got nothing to do with the sulfur or anything else. It really hasn't. You're absolutely 100% (laughs) correct. That's a bad excuse. And in fact, if they want to do, if they're allergic to sulfur, they can't eat the veggies Mm. from half the shops that get put into a plastic bag with a... Of sulfur or something in them. The dried fruit they buy. The Everything. Oh. Full of it. Exactly. Yeah. So now you've got loads and loads and loads of Peter Ferreira. You're selling all over the place. You're making three different types of bubbly. Where is it available? 
other than Norman Goodfellow's we know it's there. So obviously online through Ex Anima and then mm. various kind of more bespoke, um, I would say, wine shops. And then we, I've got a very nice distribution within the fine dining restaurants and yes. some of the wine bars, which I love. Um, and so where's, your, where's your sort of focus? Do we need to educate our population more as to drinking bubbles? Or is there quite a big wave of bubbly drinking that's happening, do you think? I think it's definitely, there's a huge wave of bubbly drinking and there's a huge wave of champagne drinking. But I think if you think of when Graham Beck started in the early 90s, you know, there was almost no cup plus six available. And if you think of how many, I think there are almost 200 people making cup plus six now. You know, and, and very few people, I think, would ask for a carbonated brand anymore in the good old days if you wanted a high quality it was Niederberg um, Charmant method in the 80s I I encourage everybody to start off drinking demi-sec because it does make you feel like you're drinking cold drink and it gets you used to that mouthfeel of bubbly and the headiness and the celebration of drinking a bottle of bubbly. It's absolutely divine. So demisec is a goodie to start people off because sometimes you drink a first sip of, of brut and you almost need somebody else to take the first sip for you. Do you know what I mean? It can be a bit sort of ziggy. Mm. So if you start drinking demisec, I think it gets people to fall in love and I unashamedly love demisec. And a well-made demisec is delicious. If it's got a good acid sugar ratio, it's actually very beautiful if it's well-made. I agree with you. And they're different. Let's tell them the different levels of sugar that goes into bubbles. Janie, what Mm. do you do for Brut? So Brut is uh, 12 grams of sugar and below. So it's quite a it's quite a lot, yeah. I mean, also with sugar, it was I mean, acid. The balance is very important. So mm. you have depends what your acid is. So twelve grams might seem like a lot, but if your acid's very high, it actually is just causing the wine to be. It needs yeah. to, it needs that sugar to balance it. So, and if we go to demi sec, it could go up to what it's like thirty something. Hey? Well, I actually looked the other day, but yeah, it's thirty-five. Goes high. I think. Mm. I think it's even higher. Thirty-five. Mm. In fact, 35 is low for demi-sec. Sick, yeah. mm. So if you can get a demi-sec that's got, not that we want to be one of those people who goes and says, excuse me, what's the RS on yeah. this one? Yeah, we don't really care. But we want a demi-sec that is on the lower end of the sugar scale. So we yeah. want it slightly sweet. Mm. I agree. Yeah. But I think to answer your question about kind of South Africa and bubbly and couple of second stuff, it is changing. People are looking, I mean, they definitely... Um, a core group who are very serious about the bubbly that they're making, winemakers, yeah. where it's not just an addition to their range. You know, there's Silverthorne, there's Colmont, obviously Graham Beck, the Valeros, the, mm. the bigger people, Charles mm. Foxes, um, mm. for instance. But I think what we're also finding, and you'll see that all my bubblies, Jane's bubblies, um, are all extra dry, so yes. six grams and below. And there's definitely a swing. I think the more people are drinking it, the more they're understanding it. And one of the points of differentiation for us as a Peter Ferreira brand, for me, is Lee's aging. So I think I'm probably the only brand that's got all the skews, yeah, with a long Lee aging, Have which you? is six years plus. That's hectic. I don't think there are many methods, I don't think there are many houses in France who are leaving their, their non-vintages on the lease for six years. 
No. In fact, I don't think there are any. No. It's too expensive. You well, certainly the non-vintage. Obviously, the sort of reserve cuvee. Yes, yes, absolutely. They have yeah. to, but yeah, I don't, I don't know what the, the legislation in two South years, Africa isn't is it? less. I think, and, but they push it to about three years. Often the the, mm. the grand marks in Champagne, but it's not. Yeah, but no, to, to get it that kind of length of time would not happen no. for a non-vintage type of um, Champagne. Or and and the problem is, I think a lot of the Classic producers would like to actually keep their wines on the lees for a lot longer. Well, if you can but afford the, co- to, but the cost wonderful. factor, yeah. yeah. And of all wines to produce, it's probably the most complex. In fact, it is, mm. and the most expensive. Well, something can go horribly wrong in the cellar, and you might get a complete and utter sort of misos, you know, where nothing, you don't get a bubble at the yeah. end of the day. Then what do we do? So you can sort of carbonate yeah. it if you need to, but it's mm. it's not ideal. So it's risky, and it involves that same art and craft that I continue to bang on about. Winemaking is, I love it for its art and craft. It's an amazing thing. Mm. You can't just go and make wine. No. You can, but it's not going to be nice. Yeah. So that art and craft that is attached to bubbles in a bottle is quite extraordinary. We absolutely love it. Then Annie, Graham Vitz, Capensis, one of the nicest Chardonnays in the, in the country. I agree. That's yes. another man that you own. I do, I do. I'm just going to have to tell his wife, Nikki, but yes. I'm sure she knows. <laughs> I'm sure she knows she already. <laughs> Give us a quick thing. It was Jackson Family Wines. Yeah. Graham Vitz was a winemaker here. He went off to do a vintage or a harvest of sorts in, in Napa and never came home. Stayed, got... Kidnapped by the Jackson family, stayed there for a good long time. Oh, almost 20 years. I so, um, but still speaks with a South African accent. Good for him. Still speaks fluent Afrikaans. Um, yeah, married a South African and has now come back, although he is still very much and living here in South Africa. So, um, and is running the operations for Jackson family wines locally. And it's wonderful because. We're looking at all kinds of new possibilities, maybe more farms. Have they actually bought properties in South Africa? We have a farm in the Bunhook, yes, I which is 49 that. hectares. It's called Fainbos. And it's that was the original Capensis Vineyard. That's right. Yes. Yeah. So, so we actually farmed it for two years before it came on the market. And then we bought it great joy and excitement and replanted it to about 11 hectares of Chardonnay. Now, tell me something. I... Every time I speak to somebody, because I love Chardonnay, every time I speak to somebody, they say, oh, well, we get some of our grapes from Kaimanschat. Kaimanschat must be the biggest Chardonnay vineyard on planet Earth because everybody claims to have grapes from Kaimanschat. I think you also have some grapes from Kaimanschat. We do, and we're still waiting for them to come in. So we actually get from the very old block up in Kaimanschat, and for anybody who ever goes to the Cape and to Villiersdorp, do yourself a favour, take the Eelandskloof turn off and drive in. It is the most spectacular place. And it's I've like been up there because, you know, I had a share in Strandfeld. We had to go, like, far down there on the way to the farm and what have you, but I thought that, that Johan Rupert had bought Kaimanschat. He's not. He bought the farm next door to it. Okay. So and actually, Kaimanschat looks down on it, and yeah. you can see the acorn no, orchards for the truffles and, and things. Yeah, it's called Altima. So we get from the old block, and when I saw Johan Ru, who's the farmer, 
um, the other day, he said that he's got two more years and then it will actually be old enough to be an old vine Chardonnay. Oh, really? And there are very few in South Africa for two reasons. One is Chardonnay was only planted very late in South Africa, mm. and often they don't last. People are pulling Pull them, them out. out. Yeah. yeah, it's a very specialized. Yeah. And Johannes is actually an apple and pear farmer. So, you know, oh, like really? Jane lost a vineyard that she was getting from Elgin because they planted apples. It just makes they financial make more sense. Money. Yeah. They make more money out of apples. So yeah. all of those millions of us that buy from Johan are on our knees to kind so of Kama's say... So must be enormous. It's not. It's actually very small. There's, there's because the Bushard Finlayson, and a new... Bushard had a wine called Kaiman's Club. That's right. Or Crocodile's Lair. Yeah. Then I think Kevin Grant got some grapes for his... A- ataraxia. Ataraxia, Chardonnay. Yeah. Johan said that he had for some of his Lomara, I think, or um, not Lomara, Antonio Rupert. Rupert. Well, they're getting from Ultima. Um, I, the Mullineus used to buy the a Mullineus little bit, but they're buy. not buying anymore, and neither actually, and I speak under correction, is Bouchard Finlayson. Oh, really? But there are a few of us. Um, so Anyway, they are probably yeah. the nicest Chardonnay grapes in the country. They are beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. So tell everybody, Capensis is a very expensive and well worth the money. Chardonnay, we tell you straight up, don't think you're going to go there and buy a bottle of wine for 150 rand because you're not. But you are going to buy one of the premium, premium, premium bottles of of Chardonnay in the country. And Graham Graham was coming out here and making it, hey? So we started the project um, in 2013. It was the first vintage. So he's been flying in and out since then and um, in fact the farm is dedicated to Chardonnay and we now have three different Chardonnays so one is a hundred percent estate fruit vineyard specific called Fanbos. in fact the Fanbos is the basis of all the wines Capensis which is the farm which means from the Cape is a blend of about five different areas so Graham has an absolute passion for high altitude Mm. grapes so um, so he, we must, from... he must go and spend some time with David Nivot. Yes, absolutely. He'll <laughs> <laughs> never be the same again, he but, he, but he must spend some time with him. So we actually have the highest Chardonnay vineyard in the Stellenbosch-Holderberg region, by default, not by oh, really? design. We didn't realize it. Vinpro came to tell us that. And then we've got a new wine, which is 100% expression of Stellenbosch fruit called Saline, some nice which is much wedge? more pocket-friendly. Yes. Oh, pocket friendly. Yeah. Um, Stellenbosch are producing some lovely Chardonnays, you know, as well, much as we like to sort of label them as, as Cabernet kings. Yeah. There's some lovely sh- Chardonnays that are coming out of Stellenbosch, I think. Uh, there are. I mean, there's yeah. some beautiful Chardonnays just per se, and I think that Helderberg Ridge kind of area. Yeah. And where we are in the Bunhook, I mean, if you look at the farms... Where Capensis is, you know, there's Bartini, there's Oldenburg. Oh, those um, wines from Oldenburg are starting Dele, to taste gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, Dele is smart. Yeah. Takara, Thelema. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can't forget yeah. Jalzi. He's Absolutely. been making beautiful things. Yeah. You know, Chardonnay. Yeah. yeah, Chardonnay forever and ever. So are you and Pete living on a farm? No, we live in Franschhoek. And he goes to Robert's. And you don't live on a farm either? No, I'm, I'm in Cape Town. Yeah, for my sins. I'd love to live on a farm, but... So is is Pete vinifying and doing all his stuff at at Grand Beck? Yeah, 
which is great. As I said, we have a contract there, and then I was out there last week to taste the ferments. Most of them are dry now. And this year I'm making some, because we love champagne and are quite purist in our style, we're looking a little bit of slightly different. So we're going to be doing a Meunier Pinot Noir Blanc de Noir mm-hmm. blend. Like and are any of you heading north to England to go and buy a vineyard next door to Gary Jordan? Well, Peter has been making bubbly for four years. He looked for about two or three years with Anthony to buy. And I think after speaking to Gary and Kathy, understanding how difficult it is to buy property and, and the laws of changing Yeah, stuff. but Jordan, in his inimitable fashion, buys a property that has got heritage status. You're not allowed to move a brick. You're not allowed to move a stone from the vineyard. You're not allowed to do a damn thing. And that... He's also, he's just another one, like like all of you, really. He just got on with it and Carries did it. on, gets and it done. And he's, I, I can't wait to taste something that comes out of there. I'm so wait. excited. I've been to Miles Hall. Have you? I and told I've him I'm moving in there. Like Arbosa, really. Have you also booked? He said there's like a little, um, like a little gatehouse type thing, which could be the Dowager House. I said to him, that's mine. Okay, we can Dowager it together. We'll right. Dowager together, and I think it's next to the gin distillery, is. which is even better. Perfect. <laughs> it is, yeah. So now I think that what we're going to do, because I'm going to be in trouble because you've got another appointment that you have to get to. What we are going to do is we are going to maybe put, definitely put some dainty base and some of this into the solid gold shop for a, a month or two following this thing and then all the listeners can can know what we've been talking about that's what we'll do okay? they can go and buy a bottle and taste it themselves yeah exactly it's been such some, fun thank oh. you thank you thank you thank you thanks for having us to see you when are you nice. going back to cape town tomorrow morning oh gosh mm. okay. well thank you for making mm. time for me it's great pleasure to see you <laughs> thanks so with your new venture i know i'm having fun been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts.